and welcome to the Adaptation Station podcast. This is your host, Nicole. I'm a former special education teacher and currently an ABA therapist at a private center. This podcast is filled with tips and tricks for not only being the best special education teacher you can be in the classroom, but living the best life you can live outside of the classroom as well. After all, I'm all about balance. Hope you guys are excited. Let's jump on in. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Adaptation Station podcast. Today's episode is all about sensory bins. Sensory bins are such a fun thing to incorporate in your classroom, but they can also be really overwhelming. I definitely know that there were years where I was like, why on earth would I want to have a bin filled with tiny things that can be thrown all over my classroom? And I just saw sensory bins as a completely useless activity. I didn't see it having any worth for my students and I felt like it would be more of a hassle than something that helped. But that's really just because I had the wrong mindset of sensory bins. There are a lot of ways that you can make sensory bins really functional and meaningful in your classroom and you can make your sensory bin be something that is easier to clean up if you need to. Maybe a sensory bin filled with tiny grains of rice is not the right choice for your classroom. Don't worry, this podcast is going to cover all of that. And I'm really excited to invite my friend Autumn from Supports for Special Students on at the second half of this podcast because she's going to have a lot of tips about what to be putting in your sensory bins, how to store them, and a lot of those actual like making it work in your classroom tips. But first, I'm going to talk about what a sensory bin is and then three ways that you could use a sensory bin in your classroom. And this can be really helpful if you're trying to figure out how it fits into your classroom day or if maybe someone is coming into your classroom and wanting to know why you have a sensory bin or how it's supporting the curriculum or progress on IEP goals. I got you covered. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, a sensory bin is typically like a bin or it's a container and it's filled with uh, carefully selected manipulatives that will stimulate your senses. So it might be uh, things that have different textures or things that sound different when you manipulate them. Uh, You could incorporate uh, scents, a lot of different things that you can put into your sensory bin. So your sensory bin base might be rice, it might be beans, it might be pom-poms, it might be shredded paper, water beads, a lot of different options based on what your students need, what they enjoy, what would be best in your classroom. Uh, So, for example, I did not like to use water beads in my classroom because those were things that typically were really hard to pick up if the bin got dropped. Whereas if I put in pom-poms or uh, plastic straws, something that was really easy to sweep up, I was much more willing to put that into my bin. So there are a lot of different things you can put into your bin. And again, Autumn is going to have some tips for us a little bit later. There were three ways I liked to use sensory bins in my classroom. The first way I like to use a sensory bin as as an independent activity. And so the great thing about this is it's so customizable. And you've probably seen sensory bins on Pinterest before because not only are these commonly used in the classroom, especially special education classrooms, a lot of moms are using these with their children at home. So if you happen to follow or see anything from a mom that's blogging about life with her toddler, this is a really common thing that you're going to see. And so your sensory bin can have an activity put into it, or the sensory bin itself could be the activity. 
So maybe you have a sensory bin that has plastic spiders in it for Halloween and the activity is finding all of the spiders. Or if you want to try and incorporate IEP goals or academics into it, you could just put an activity right into the bin. So the way this would work was, let's say I had a student that was working on a matching goal and he has a file folder that has 15 matching pieces in it. Instead of having him do that file folder at his desk as part of a three-tier independent system, I might take that same file folder take it over to the sensory bin and then put all of his matching pieces into the bin. He's now having to navigate that bin and he's getting a ton of different input from the items in the bin while he's trying to find his pieces to match. So I've just taken that IEP goal and I've had him work on it in a different way. He's generalizing that skill because he's having to find the pieces in a different way than he's used to, but just making sure he's still successful with the goal. And a lot of times sensory bits are just really fun. It's a different way to target different skill sets. So using it as independent work is my first tip. My second tip is using it in instruction. So this would look really similar, but I'd be doing it in a group. And an example would be, let's say, my students were working on classifying things that were solid, liquid, and gas in a science lesson. And let's say I had 15 pictures. Five of them were things that were solid, five of them were things that were liquid, and five of them were things that were a gas. I could take those 15 things, I could put it in a sensory bin, and if I wanted to, I could make that sensory bin be a little bit more customized to the lesson, and then as a group, we could go through and find the different pictures and sort them. So this is, again, pulling a sensory bin into an academic lesson, which sometimes can just change it up a little bit and make it fun and engaging for the students. This is working on turn-taking because each student gets a turn to pull the picture out. And again, we're still targeting academic concepts. We're just targeting, it, targeting them in a different way. And the third way I like to use sensory bins is as a social skills activity. So again, maybe we go back to taking one of those file folders and it's a sorting file folder. We could even be a matching file folder, but I put all the pieces in and then I have students complete it together. So my students are working together to complete the activity. Again, they're working on turn-taking, uh, they're working on having to be patient, they're working on having to be respectful of their peers, and it can, again, be a really fun activity. And I would get my speech therapist involved in this because she might have the students uh, work on pronouncing the words, especially if I had a student with an articulation goal. The pictures that we put into the bin could be words that had the beginning sound that he was working on. So she could work on that with him and have him work on that sound. So there are a lot of ways that you can use sensory bins in your classroom. And now Autumn's going to come on and share a couple more tips to actually get this up and running in your classroom. So... I'd like you all to get, help me give her a virtual welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Autumn. Oh, thank you for having me. If you guys aren't familiar with Autumn from Support for Special Students, she is known for being really efficient and having all the logistics down, which is an area that I do not excel in. That's why I wanted to have her on. So I have four questions. So that way you can help all the people like me actually make sensory bins happen in their classroom. You ready? I'm excited. All right. Awesome. So my first question is, what should I be filling my sensory bin with? Because I'm that person that's super lazy and just like rips up newspaper and puts it in there. So what are your <laughs> suggestions of cuter things I could put into my bins? Well, there are tons of things that you can put in bins. Um, I think for fillers, which is going to be kind of the base material, um, 
my all-time favorite fillers are actually split peas and lentils, which sounds kind of odd because that's not something that typically people are wanting to eat, but they have this really smooth texture um, that for a lot of kids who have aversions to more rough textures, that smooth texture of the split peas is really relaxing. And um, they're also small enough that if they do make a mess on the floor, uh, they're easily sucked up with a vacuum, which is something that I'm always looking for. Easy cleanup. I 100% never would have thought of that, but you're right. That would be a perfect filler. You're already making my sensory bin better. (laughs) (laughs) I also really love white rice um, as a base because it is really easy to um, dye the rice different colors and it's inexpensive. You can find white rice anywhere. Um, And you could, there's various methods to dye the rice, but you can use liquid watercolors. You can use um, rubbing alcohol and food coloring. Um, It's just a really easy base to start with. Awesome. All right. And speaking of inexpensive, I think a lot of people feel like sensory bins are really expensive to make happen because, you know, you're looking on Amazon or you're going to Target and it can be pricey to buy a bunch of things to put in. But I know you like to go to the dollar store. So if I were to walk into the dollar store, what are your top picks of the things I should try and grab? Well, some of my favorite items at the dollar store, really, I could spend an hour just walking through every single aisle. But a lot of my favorites, just inexpensive, quick and easy items um, in the craft and the floral section. They have these little plastic jewels. They have mini pom-poms, colorful buttons. And those are things that are not specific to a certain type of sensory bin. You can put it in a spring bin, a summer bin, a Halloween bin. It really doesn't matter, um, which makes them really go a long way and gives you more bang for your buck. I also like looking through the seasonal section and the party supplies because they often have little trinkets that you can easily toss into a bin to make it seem more themed around that holiday. Great idea. And as you mentioned, you do a lot of sensory bins that are based off of months or different themes. How do you store those sensory bins when Halloween is over, per se, that way you can find it again next year? So that's a great question. So I keep all of my fillers, the base material, in uh, those plastic shoe boxes. They sell them pretty much everywhere for around a dollar. I keep my rice and corn kernels, dried beans, all that good stuff in those bins. And then I keep all of my themed materials in just Ziploc bags. And that makes it really easy when it's time to create a bin. I can just pick a filler, dump it in, and then grab my, my Ziploc bag of themed materials and dump that in. Um, I'm not having to search through and pull stuff from, um, you know, grabbing buttons and then grabbing pom-poms. It's all together in one bag. I told you guys that Autumn was very efficient. (laughs) (laughs) And my last question for you is, and Autumn has seen my sensory bins before. I don't do anything cute in them at all because it just seems so complicated to me. Mine are just like ripped up newspaper and then the activity. But Autumn gave me an amazing tip that's actually very practical. Do you mind sharing it with everybody? Sure. So if you're just getting started, it can be really expensive to have themed materials for every holiday. 
um, or everything that you might want to do throughout the year. So a great way that I found to do it is to just sort your materials by color instead of holiday or theme. And that way you can go to the dollar store for less than $10. You can get a few bags of pom-poms, those buttons, the plastic jewels, um, beaded necklaces from the, the party section, Um, And you can sort all of those by color. And when it comes to a holiday, you can grab, let's say, the the pink and the red and the white bags of colorful materials and toss them in a sensory bin. And even though there's nothing Valentine's related in the bin, just having those colors there makes it appear as it's thematic. And then you can reuse those colors for other themes later in the year. You know, you can pull out the pink again when it's spring and you can do pink, yellow and light blue, toss them all in there. And it looks like you were thoughtful and planned something when in reality you were just had a really efficient way to store it. (laughs) That sounds (laughs) right up my alley. And I will have her Instagram linked in the description of this podcast. She has some really great photos of bins that she's done throughout the school year. So definitely go check that out to get a little inspiration. Autumn also has a bunch of blog posts that I'll have linked that goes into all of this in way more detail. So if you're a visual person and you want to read a list, I'll have all of that available. And thank you again for coming on and sharing all of your great tips. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you like what you heard, I would greatly appreciate if you left me some feedback. And if you want to hear more, go ahead and give me a follow. While you're at it, come say hi on social media. You can find me at Adaptation Station on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and AdaptationStation.net. It's taco night in my house, so I'm going to go have a delicious dinner and a margarita, and I will talk to you guys again next Friday.